Hi there, and welcome to Live from the Cybert Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cybert Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. Today's episode features a conversation between Ashley Lankford, our online content manager in the Cybert Institute, and Amanda Box, a longtime teacher and minister who is the self-proclaimed communication evangelist at Box Communication Incorporated. After you listen, make sure to follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. Welcome to Live from Cyber Institute. I have the pleasure today to set with my sweet friend and in College Station with Miss Amanda Box. Amanda, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, I call myself the communication evangelist. I spent my entire career helping people talk to each other, whether that's with conflict, which we're going to talk about today, team building, interviewing, even business writing and grammar, certainly tons and tons of presentations that I've helped students and clients with over the years. I was a full-time college professor for 10 years, also had a stint in full-time ministry for 11 years, and a couple other things along the way there. But And all along all of those full-time careers, I was invited into churches and schools and engineering firms and athletic teams because it all kind of boils down to your communication. You know, that's going to make or break everything else. So here I am these many years later and people are still calling me. So I don't teach anymore full time and I'm not on a ministry staff full time anymore. And I just travel from coast to coast working with clinics and clients and trying to help people talk to each other. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to do this. We're um, grateful for um, your work. And, and one of the things that you do for Cyborg so often is you're actually one of our monthly uh, contributors to Mosaic. And so that's kind of a lot of the articles you've talked about and written on are on this idea of conflict. <laughs> and so we all know, um, those of us who've been in church ministry for any amount of time, we know that you will have conflict. And so what are some of the things that church, I love that you actually talk about this idea of conflict prevention, not just dealing with the fire, but how can, as a communications uh in the way we communicate with each other, prepare as church leaders to deal with those conflicts? Such a great question. And I need everybody for about 16 weeks, you know, to deal with this. Yes. <laughs> this would be like a 20, 20 episode <laughs> topic, I know. <laughs> well, and I think that kind of brings out our first point. And that communication is a learned physical skill. Just like basketball or baseball or tennis, piano, anything. And I think we kind of get lulled into thinking because we've been talking since we were babies that we're, we're really okay at it until it goes wrong. And then, then the communication is the first thing that people point out. Well, the communication, this, that, or the other. And, and they're right. So I really think the first thing of conflict prevention is to get some training Mm -hmm. because what we do is what we know. And 
that can be great if you had great examples in, in your parents or significant mentors really taught you how to do that, mentored you how to do that, disciplined you how to do that, required you to do that, <laughs> practiced it themselves. Right. But that's really kind of all the right stars in alignment. And, and the truth is that until something is too painful, we're just going to do what we know. And so to get some training on what to look for, how to handle it, the words to say, it's all doable, but it's not going to come naturally. And so I think that would be the first thing that I would say is there are so many professionals like me, even in your church, in your community, Mm -hmm. that are credentialed, that Mm -hmm. do help people just like I do. And it's a fun day of training. I mean, you can do a lot in a day. You can do a lot in a series of classes. So, you know, I'm all about the training. That's why I call myself the communication evangelist. Because I'm always trying to persuade people, hey, this matters. Hey, this is going to make a difference. Hey, if you don't pay attention to that, this is going to crash and burn. And let's let's work on the front end Mm -hmm. rather than the the latter. And then I think the second thing is just to expect it and then work on what's going to outsmart it. Okay. And so it comes down to a lot of self-management, which is not good news. (laughs) It is is the hard part for me too. It's a lot easier for me to tell somebody else how to do it, but, but it, uh, it is too totally doable. And, um, I think as church leaders, we're afraid of so much. Mm. We're dealing with so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to list all of those things for our church leaders to know what those are. The pandemic, I think, was the last thing on that list, although it's a really big thing. You know, we were dealing mm-hmm. with plenty of, of conflict issues be- before that. And then we're like, oh, my word. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yes, you know, so oh, you know, I, I feel like Satan has done his best work, you know, with, with COVID and, and post. So, but we have to kind of manage ourselves and, and a huge part of that. And I've written about this probably <laughs> one out of three articles that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll mention this idea of defensiveness. Mm. So when we feel defensive, it's because we feel attacked. We feel insecure. We feel fear in in some way because I don't need to defend myself if I don't feel like something's bad. Something bad is going to happen, mm-hmm. and that is such a credibility killer. And by that, if if you would be willing, you know, to share what you've seen anonymously or some or what you've seen up close what people do during conflict I mean what would you say like when conflict arises what do people do defensive for sure is the real thing <clears throat> trying to blame someone else oh blame is huge blame is huge um and become emotional um yeah talk louder oh yeah uh talk over you know talk fast and so instead of sometimes being quiet and listening um, and so I think that we have, yeah, we do, we have this tendency because we start taking those things personally. And I think as a minister, sometimes that can be really hard is when que- someone questions something you're doing, it's not just, we're doing it for our board builders. We're doing it for 
you know, Christ. And yes. so when they, it almost feels like a spiritual attack too, as well as a, as a church leader, I think that there can, sometimes you can interpret that and Satan loves to manipulate, I think is as church leaders that you feel like you're questioning my, my relationship with Christ. Well, because all of that is true. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's kind of, a common thing to say to don't take things personally but I'm a person and you're talking about my actions in this church with this ministry with these people with whatever you don't like about what I'm doing and yeah you know as a minister that absolutely threw me for a loop and so that's really what happens you know we kind of go through life thinking I'm a good person um I'm competent, I'm lovable, I'm doing what God wants me to do, or I'm trying to be obedient to that as a minister. And and that comes a lot with a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice. Yes. And when I was a minister full-time, I did those things because I wanted to. And then when I was criticized from the church at large, I felt like that was to be expected a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of just know that's part of the mm-hmm. territory. Yeah. When it was internal, that's when it was really hard to t- take, yeah. meaning On your team. my coworkers. Yes. Yeah. And and we should have functioned better together. You know, I mean, we all found a way, right. but that's what was really tough to take. So when we're thrown off balance, we're naturally going to be defensive mm-hmm. because we've put so much into it. If we think about who we're the most defensive with, it's who we care about the most often. Right. My own husband would tell you that. Yes. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> and we laugh about it because that's uh, one thing I'm constantly working on is trying to edit out that defensiveness. So as church leaders, which that was your original question, mm-hmm. one of the things we can do and as people, like every everything that I'm going to say today is not limited to any one person. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly goes across the board, but, but we have a lot of stake a lot at stake as church leaders. And Mm -hmm. so defensiveness is a credibility killer. Mm -hmm. The second I'm lashing out or doing those things that you said, getting louder, you know, that's um, a way of backing you off, right? Right. Of of being uh, loud and aggressive that way. And the second I'm not managing myself very very well in that moment then that other person is going to get defensive too and basically what happens first in churches is people just back off Mm. and and we have the luxury of doing that even in the smallest of churches you can go to church with somebody and never talk to them for 20 years that's true that's very true i mean you just because a bunch of people are in a building that does not mean they're a team that does not mean they're a church family you know, they, they can avoid each other. And that's, that's really the most common thing. Mm -hmm. We just start avoiding. Mm -hmm. And so the sooner we can interact or facilitate interactions as elder, as elders, as church leaders, as people with each other, then yeah, it's going to be a little bit awkward, but it's going to prevent that from getting worse because we're working on preserving that relationship. And really everything comes down to that. Mm-hmm. And and the conversation is a really good barometer for what kind of shape that relationship is in. Okay. That's a good point. And I feel like, I don't want to get off, but I feel like that's one of the reasons COVID hit us so badly 
is because we weren't supposed to talk to each other and we were trying to do what we were instructed to do but wow the fallout you know if we didn't have enough to hold us together or there was a lot of distance or disengagement among a church family then what is there to hold you together so you can look at a conversation and even quantify it researchers do that Mm -hmm. and you can really see what kind of shape the church is in so you know get some training number one to kind of boil this back down because there's so much to talk about really work on that defensiveness because any successful person If it's a minister, if it's a writer, if it's an athlete, if it's a communicator, then it all boils down to this consistency with successful habits. Your habits are always going to win. True. So anything that I need to do during a conflict, I can practice that during day in, day out when I'm not in a conflict. And editing out the ands and ums. If I don't want to do that up in front of a group, edit that out in your conversation and you won't do it Mm -hmm. up in front of a group. If I want to edit out talking less, which is ironically a lot of how I have to coach my clients. Okay. Stop talking now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just say less, be clear. And I try to take my own advice as well. Then you, you practice that during conversation. Any of those, things that are going to work, any of those habits that are going to work in conflict, you're not going to suddenly rise to the occasion. Oh, I'm in a conflict. Click. I know what to do. Right. It's going to be hard. It's going to be glitchy. It's certainly going to be imperfect. Mm -hmm. But if I'm working on dialing back that defensiveness day in, day out, then when I'm in a conflict, I can think more clearly because my body doesn't feel like it's under attack. I'm understanding that the reason I want to get louder, get aggressive, win. Right. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Prove my point. Yes. All of those. Who doesn't want to be right? Always. Always. And all of that stuff is defensive. And and if somebody's about to punch me in the face or if I'm about to be harmed in some way, my body knows what to do. Like, I'm going to duck. I'm going to. And so our body does that too during conflict because we feel an attack is coming and if you did a brain scan of what's happening up here it would show you you feel like you're being chased by lions and you're not so so when I feel myself getting big when I feel feel myself getting defensive I have to say okay just check that behavior right now dial that back nothing's gonna happen to you this is a difficult conversation so what you know grow up understand yeah, this is not fun right now, but it's going to prevent a lot of bad stuff down the line if I can get some information. Mm -hmm. And so when you first feel that inclination to back off, really that's your big sign to lean in and have that conversation now. Just ask some questions. Hey, you know, that was intense back there. Can you tell me what happened? Just to get some information. And, and that will unravel a whole lot instead of letting it go. People are going to go talk to other people. You're kind of rallying your troops. Or I think what happens now more than that is that they just back off and disappear. Mm-hmm. True. Because people are so phobic, not only about the conflict, but just about being uncomfortable. So we have to understand this is going to be uncomfortable and you can absolutely do it. You know, my clients call me in a panic 
explain what's going on. And I'm like, okay, you know, what do you need from me? They might not even know. Right. <laughs> They're just so panicked about what might happen. I mean, and if you think about that, to make this more conversational, not that you're my student, but I mean, what are people afraid of during a conflict? I'm afraid of, you know, I think there's a fear of realizing you are wrong. You know, like, so, yeah, because you know it, you know, I'm wrong, like, but you've gone too far. Or you're afraid somebody might prove you wrong. So that's that win-lose mentality that has to go. Yes. And and replace that with, this is a puzzle. And I know, I, I get it. That's such a Pollyanna thing. Yeah. Think of it as a puzzle. <laughs> well, okay, I own that. Yeah. But if you do that win-lose thing all the time, then that doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to work for a loser if I have to be the winner with my boss. Right. Or if I am the boss, these yeah. people have to be the losers. Do I want a bunch of losers working for me? Yes. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Do I want losers for friends? <laughs> Do I want to be married to the loser? Oh, no. I mean, so that win-lose mentality is really costly. You know, it has a really high price tag. So if we can just click into, okay, I'm uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but but a puzzle, we just move the pieces around basically till we find a solution. So mm-hmm. that clicks into a different mentality. Our words are different. Our blood pressure goes down. Our avoidant tendencies are, I think, kind of checked. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not so scary Mm -hmm. when we we deal with it as a puzzle rather than this win-lose, big-bad conflict. Because it takes almost nothing for people just to back off. Right. And they'll just disappear. Well, I think you bring up a really good point, too. I think a lot of it has to do when you're in those situations of asking questions. Yeah. Because I think sometimes when we get in those conflict, at least myself, I want to go into telling them <laughs> why I feel passionate about this or why I have this stance on this subject. And um, I think that that's a, a huge aspect if we just look at, really look at, you know, asking really good questions. Yeah, so, yeah, so exactly. So when I'm feeling something like the tension or I know you don't like what I did because I'm looking at your body or you say it or I, I see you withdraw, that's my big sign, like I said before, to go check it out. Hey, that was intense. Tell me, I, I use that word a lot because it's kind of neutral, but it's yeah. a good conversation opener and it keeps people in the room. Tell me what, Tell me what happened. How did this affect you? So you're asking these open-ended questions. I'm just trying to understand. Mm-hmm. And my demeanor is sincere. And people know if it's sincere or not. Like, yes. if that's not your motive, then mm-hmm. check your motives. Right. And get the right one. Because I'm not Denzel Washington. Like, I'm a terrible actress. Yeah. Like, people are going to see it on my yes. face if I want to know or not. I have to do that a lot with customer service training. Like, yeah. You either want to really help somebody or you don't. Don't, don't say you do. You don't. <laughs> That's right. You're not. Oh, a... may I help you? you know? <laughs> Welcome in. Yeah. Nah. yeah exactly. um, so, so that can unravel a whole lot of it because people just rack up the assumptions in their head. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're always trying to do this. You have to be in control. You're trying to make me look bad. You don't care what I say. Well, probably none of those things are true. And 
getting real information. I have to ask this all the time. Okay, did someone say that? Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Or this is just what you think? Because we're not trying to fill in the blanks incorrectly or inaccurately, but that defensiveness buddy just kicks in. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're liars. It's just that we're wrong a lot. And then, so you're operating on a really false base of information, assuming bad intentions, mm-hmm. always, because I wouldn't do it that way. And um, that just comes basically from a communication style or perception differences, because mm-hmm. you're a different person, you're going to take in the world differently than I do. And about 85% of all conflict is caused by that right there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Even you can see experience. any you know, pick any personality test, the DISC, the Myers Briggs, the Enneagram. We approach our world in a way in which we think things ought to be done. Mm-hmm. And somebody else does too. And that's good and that it creates attention <clears throat> and it creates a balance so that we are slower in making decisions, but it also creates conflict. And I think when people can understand, hey, when something goes wrong, that's my big clue to find out what's going on from their perspective and understand why their strengths are causing them to look at it this way, mm-hmm. to approach it this way. And you'll you'll hear it in your own language. If you hear yourself saying they should know they should have known, he should have done, those kinds of things. Well, that might be true, but it just means they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's just we approach our world differently. So the training, the defensiveness, the asking open-ended questions before it gets blown up. Or I don't happen to think there's ever a point of no return. I've worked with plenty of clients where I didn't know if they were going to show up. For the meeting. And if they'll show up and if they'll engage, then sure, sometimes it takes an outsider Mm -hmm. like me. When I was on a church staff, we had an outsider come in and it was good. And so that's fine. But there's, but people often won't do that. They just think it's too late. They write people off. But if you'll get in there and do the work sooner rather than later, or just do the work at any point, it really can be resolved. You can be healthier and stronger for it, but it's not going to come from back and away, which is what we tend to do as church people because we're conflict avoidant. We're, we don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, we don't want to be in a conflict and we don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, we're, um, and that does not serve us very well. And so, you know, just get in there, be, be willing to work on it a little bit. And if, if we do those things up front, that really, I mean, that'll unravel a whole lot. Because once I'm not so defensive and my pure motive is just to understand somebody and preserve this relationship, then the humility is there. And that's the game changer, which is, of course, the Christ-like thing. It's just we need a big O <sighs> deep breath. <laughs> Well, I mean, there have been so many times where I was in ministry and somebody was kind of kind of cross with me for whatever reason and just wanted them to understand I'm going to do everything I can. And so I would call them. They wouldn't take my call. Mm-hmm. I would call, I'm thinking this didn't happen every day. You know, right, it's not right, like I was yeah. that controversial, well, but it right. just does happen, it you does. know, because we live and breathe. I would call them, call them again. 
would not return my call. And, you know, about the fifth time of that, I'm like, I'm not calling him again. You know, I have called five times. That's ridiculous. But then I'm like, I'm calling him. Because I, until they heard my voice, they couldn't know, hey, I just want you to know I'm entirely willing to whatever you ha- issue you have as a volunteer can can we find a way to make this work we can find the right puzzle piece if we w- and, and most of the time we did and if we couldn't and really I would say we always did mm-hmm. you know I mean I might get a no it may not turn out always the way I wanted it to but they heard my voice they heard my thoughts and they knew that I wanted to do everything in my power to work it out that's huge well, that's all we have for time for this, but I don't think this conversation is over. So I think that you, first of all, you've not shared one of my favorite things that you teach um, is the newscaster phase. So in episode two, part two, okay. I want you to share the beauty of the newscaster Okay, phase. gotcha. Will do, <laughs> will do. Thank you, so Thank you. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cybert Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels, and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cyberinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.